Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I want to spend some time in prayer. I need to be in the Word. I need to feed my spirit. I need to be built up. I'm glad to have these minutes free right here to be in my Word. It changes everything. Now it's not I gotta do, it's I get to do. And if you do anything for God and you're over here feeling like you gotta do it, stop doing it. Just stop it. He doesn't want you to do it that way anyway. If you over here feel like I got to do it, stop. Spend time with him until you graduate over here and realize I get to do it. Do you look forward to spending time in God's word? It's constantly taking in what he says through the scripture that will take your relationship to the next level. As Pastor Bill was going to show you today, God doesn't want you to begrudgingly spending time reading. He wants you to look forward to that time with him finding joy and comfort in His Word, and enjoying the blessings that come from the time with Him. Is it something you feel like you have to do, or do you look at it as something you get to do? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 7 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We've been going chapter by chapter and verse by verse through the book of Romans, and today we're in chapter 7, so We've covered a lot of ground up until this point. You know, Paul has spent time in the early part of the book just helping us to realize how sinful we are. For most of us, well, that's not a big surprise. We know. Most people know. But some people don't. Some people think they're pretty good. So if you're one of those that thought you were pretty good, um, now you know that there's none good. No, not one. He broke that down. And he's walked us through this path. He's trying to walk us into a place where we can have the kind of relationship with the Lord that the Lord wants us to have. He's dealing with Jews and religious folk. And so these are people much like us today that make rules and we figure out how we're going to be close to God. If I do these things, if I don't do that, and if I do this, I'll be close to God. And so the Jews had a very legalistic relationship with the Lord because they came out of the law. God was putting that aside. He was dealing with that. He said, I came, I fulfilled the law. I want to have a different kind of relationship with you. And so I would challenge everybody here to consider your walk with the Lord before we even get into the word. What's your walk with the Lord like? Is it a love relationship? Um, Are you just wowed in awe and awe of God's love for you? Are you someone that makes rules and feel good when you keep them? Are you a Pharisee? Are you one that you got a couple things you do good and you look down at everybody that's not doing as good as you do? You know, are you one of those? Because they in the church. That's probably the biggest issue that we have. We get two things right. Never mind the 98 things that we ain't got right. We get two things right and find somebody else that don't have it right, and then we got to look down at them. We don't want to be that either, right? We want to be those that are understanding fully what the Lord has done for us, that we might enjoy a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And so look at Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 1. It says, or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For, now he's given an illustration, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she would be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is set free from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. So, Paul gives us a principle, gives us an illustration. He says, look, do you not know that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? So for these people that had a legal relationship with the Lord, as long as you live, 
right? The law has dominion over you. You are bound by the law. Here's an illustration. Take a marriage. In the Jewish custom, men would divorce their wives, but women, there was no provision for a woman to divorce her husband. So I know that's not fair, but that's how it was back then. So he's leaning into that. He's saying, look, if a woman has a husband and she's bound by the law to be in this marriage to this husband, um, she's kind of stuck by the law. The law has her bound. She can't leave. Um, if he's getting on her nerves, if, you know, whatever, she's stuck. And what do we say when we marry people? Till what? Till what do us part? Till death do us part and you don't get to kill each other. Um, and it's understood that we're bound in marriage till death. When people get married, that's how we're supposed to come to the table. Not until you get on my nerves bad enough. Um, not till you lose your job. Not till, you know, you swell up or whatever. It's till death do us part. That's a whole nother Bible study. I won't go there this morning. But the understanding was death would part you. And you're not killing the person. So... That was the arrangement there. When some, now, if you're married to someone and they die, you know, you're free of that commitment now. You're free to marry someone else. You won't be an adulterer. But if you're married and you decide, I don't like them no more, you break up and go marry somebody else, God said, now you become an adulterer. You're a cheater. So he's using the illustration of a marriage. So how do you get out of this marriage? Someone's got to die, right? Someone's got to die. Then the law is broken. And so in our relationship with the law, he's going to tell us in just a minute that we die. We died. When did we die as believers? When did we die to the law? Anybody know? Because we died with somebody. Anybody know when we died? We died, huh? Say it like you mean it. Okay, we died with Christ. It's through my relationship with Christ. We died with him. Remember baptism? And in baptism, we get this visual picture of our dying with Christ. And then we also do what with him? We raise up with him. Empower and new life. And so... We died with Christ. So when we died, when we entered into relationship with Jesus Christ, who kept the law perfectly, we've now died. The law has no dominion over you, over me. I'm not bound by the law. I'm not under the law. I won't be punished by the law. The law, that relationship is over. I got a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the concern that he covered earlier was for those that would say, what, well, you mean that ain't no law? Because what do we think people will say if there's no law? Oh, man, no law? I mean, tell me that again. Preach that. Tell me there's no law. Some of y'all, I mean, I say there's no law. You do whatever you want. You say. Some of y'all be at the club. Y'all leave right now, mid-message, and be back at somewhere. You know, that's what we think. But that's the truth, right? There's no law. Later on to the Corinthians, Paul said, look, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful. He said, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. But don't get it twisted. I can do whatever I want. I'm free. I'm absolutely free to do what I want. I'm not under a law. And so this is what we're going to learn in this chapter, right? I'm not under a law. I don't now serve God because if I don't, he's going to get me. If I don't keep this rule, God don't get me. That's not why we do it now. We've entered into a love relationship. It's different. Everything has kind of changed. And the best way I can illustrate it is like this. Um, I wasn't stupid, but I wasn't the best student in school because I just, I didn't like school. It wasn't my thing. I wasn't excited about it. Um, I hated when... You had to write papers because it took time and discipline. And you had to think or research. And I hated writing papers. And so I remember in school, it'd be like, you got to write a one-page paper was too many pages. I mean, one page, I'm going to write as big a letter as I can write. I'm going to find the biggest wide rule sheet I can find. I mean, I just want to get it done, you know. So I didn't like to write, but I had to. So I would do it, but I did it very begrudgingly. I had to do it. But I remember, you know, when me and my wife got together and we were going out. And we would write notes to each other. 
man, I was writing dissertations. I was getting down ink to paper, you know. It didn't feel like something I had to do. I wasn't sitting there saying, right, she wrote me another letter, now I got to write. I was putting thought into it. I'll write a little bit and think some more, crumple it up, write it again. Then my handwriting ain't that great, so I'll be trying to write it again neat. So I write it real slow, didn't even feel like work. I probably wrote longer letters with way more heart involved because now this is out of love. I don't have to do this. I love to do this, right? That's where God's wanting to bring you and me. He wants to bring us away from this relationship over here where it's like, I got to do this or God's going to get me. God wants us to get over here where we've been so immersed in how much he loves us and what he's done for us, that he died for us, that he's forgiven us, that we would just want to. I love to. I enjoy to do something for you. God, I don't want to do those things that don't please you. He wants to bring us into a love relationship. And so that's what he's coming at here. Look at verse four with me now. It says, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. And so that's exactly what I was saying. We've now been set apart. We brought out of a legal relationship with God into one where I died with Christ. So the law has no dominion over me. Now I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ. And God gives us one of the purposes, right? Why did God pick such people as you and me? Most of us, if we be honest and we know what we are and we know we struggle and we know we're weak and we know all these things about ourselves, why did God put his hand on you? Why did God pick you? Why did God pick sinners? Think about who you are for real, for real. Not who people think you are. Everybody here, think about who you are for a moment and that God picked you. What do he want with you? What does he want to do with you? What does he see in you? Um, it's true for every one of us. Write down John chapter 15, verse 16. And in John 15, 16, Jesus says, look, you didn't choose me, right? You didn't initiate this relationship. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. But God chose us with purpose. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. God said, look, I chose you that you might go forth. I chose you and I appointed you that you might bear fruit. I want to do something with your life. I got a purpose and a plan for you. I got something better for you than you could ever have apart from me. And so it doesn't really matter what you were pre, before your relationship with the Lord says, I chose you. And some people have such a hard time kind of swallowing that pill that God could do something with them because we know what a mess we are. We know what our sins are. We know we mess up. We know we fall short. We know we blow it over here and blow it over there. And God says, but I, I promise you, God will take you and use you. Uh, it's a matter of us coming and surrender. It's a matter of us saying, God, here, have me. God will take whatever you are and transform it into what he wants it to be. You just got to come and bring it to him. And so there isn't any past so bleak that God can't take that life and say, let me make it useful for my glory. Whatever your past is, whatever your dirt is, whatever the stuff that you're ashamed of, whatever that stuff is, none of it is so bad that God wouldn't take you and use you mightily. Almost seems like God picks those people, somehow he picks those that are the most messed up, that he would get all the glory. That when people see what he's doing through them, they would say, ain't nothing but the Lord. And that's just God. You know, that you would just look at the transformation, the, the real transformed life, and it would just blow people away what God did through someone's life. The person writing this book, the Apostle Paul, we know what a mess he was. Paul was a persecutor of Christians, responsible for the death of believers. I mean, he was a messed up guy before Christ, and God used him mightily and greatly. And so, if you're here and you feel like, man, you don't have any clear sense of your purpose in God, 
uh, know that he chose you with purpose. Know that God has something very specific that he wants you to do. Every one of us here is a little different. We got different abilities, different gifts, different calling, but everybody know this for sure. You have something. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 that says, we are his workmanship. The Greek word is poema, his work of art. It says, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. God said, you've been created in me for the purpose of good works. I've already created beforehand what they are that you should walk in them. So I just got to seek him and let him reveal to me what I'm supposed to do and start walking in that. And God might give you a step at a time. You know, some of us, I want a 10 year plan. Just so you know, God don't do 10 year plans. God does one step at a time. He would he told Abraham, go to a place I will show you. When you going to show me when you get going. That's how the Lord works. So, you know, if you one of those that say, well, God, OK, I feel like you might call me to do this, but I'm going to need you to show me X, Y and Z. You're going to have to come up off of that. Um, you're going to have to walk by faith and not by all right. So, but God does have a plan, um, but whatever he does have, if there's a gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given, faith will be the initiation point. If there's a calling and something God wants to do, it's going to be something you're going to overcome your own flesh, your own fears, your own sense of inadequacy to do it and to realize that, okay, this is what God is blessing me to do. So, but know that he's got something for you to do. He says, I want you guys to bear fruit. And that's what he says at the end of verse four, that we should bear fruit to God. Verse five, four. When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. So he's comparing, right? When you weren't saved, what the law did was made me guilty and it actually stirred up sinful passions, right? Some people, you look at this and say, well, how does the law stir up sinful passions? What happens when you tell a kid, don't touch this? Immediately, they might not have been thinking about touching it. But as soon as you say, hey, don't nobody touch that right there and walk away. Everything in their little sinful beings are like, why not? You know, they just want to touch it. What happens when you see the sign that says wet paint, don't touch? Is it still wet? Really? You just want to just touch and make sure it's really that's in us. Right. It's the law. The law doesn't correct us. The law doesn't make us sin less. All the law does is proves how messed up we are. The law draws out sinfulness. It draws it out of me and it, and it, and it convicts me and it condemns me. Right. Know this, the law for those that love law and legalism, the law never encourage you. The law never come to you and say, hey, you know, good job. The law is always there to say, that's not good enough. Nope, because the law is perfect. And nobody, anybody here perfect? All the law can do is make you feel bad, right? That's all it can do. You look at the law, you look at you, and you just feel bad. Look at that. It never adds up. It never be exactly what it's supposed to be on your best day, your best week. And so it takes grace, grace that comes in and says, I see what you don't see. I don't see what you are. I see what you will be. God that's able to cause those things that be not as though they were. It was God that saw Gideon who was hiding out, you know, from the enemies because they kept getting jacked for their wheat. He was, you know, harvesting the wheat in secret so he wouldn't get jacked. It was God that came in and saw him hiding out and said, you a mighty man of valor. Gideon was like, are you kidding me? You know, that's my paraphrase. But Gideon, Gideon knew he didn't, he didn't feel like a mighty man of valor down there hiding up like he was. But God said, no, I, I see what you will be after I get a hold of you. And so some of us, God looks and says, I'm going to do something great. We do have to yield and submit and surrender to that. So moving on now, verse eight, it says, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And so now that we've been brought from under the law, we've been 
uh, delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by. He said, now we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. If you look at the things that you might do because you have to do and consider what we might do for the Lord just out of love. And again, my best way I could, you know, explain, looking at the way love motivates you and how far you'll go in love as opposed to stuff that you have to do. You know, um, maybe you wanted to bless, you know, a family member, a husband, a wife or something on a birthday. And there's not too much you can do. You're just thinking up new things to do, to, to lavish them and to pour it on. Let your boss tell you to do some of them same things. And it just be a burden. Oh, God, I do this for nobody. You don't pay me enough. To, you know, you let it be someone that you love. Everything changes. Love just change everything. You know, um, I look at the teenagers. You know, I got sons right now. So my youngest, you know, man, he'll he walk out of the house. However, he don't care. Man, did you brush your teeth? Man, go brush your teeth, man. Brush your hair. You know, I got to make sure right now those things don't matter. They're not that big a deal. I'm like, man, you can't go out with stank breath, son. You got to brush the beads out, you know, when his hair's growing or whatever. He don't care right now, but I know there'll come a day. Um, there'll come a day where I won't tell him nothing. He'll be in the mirror trying to make sure he got some waves and everything else. He'll get there, right? And that's the kind of difference, right? You see the kids go through those changes where you got to be on them to tell them to do it because I don't want to do it right now. I'm only doing it because mom said do it. But let it get to where they, they whatever happens, they start feeling themselves or they want to look good as they go to school. They don't want to be stank or whatever. And, and then they just do it themselves. You know, they make sure it gets to, wait a minute, I got daughters. So daughters, it, it happens a lot earlier. You have to pull them out. Stop combing your hair. You know, just it's time to go. You know, so those things transpire. They change within us. And God wants to bring us into a place in our relationship with him. We're not over here where the law is saying you need to do it. Do that. Read your Bible. You need to pray. You need to witness more. And we're over here saying, man, I've experienced God's grace in such a mighty way. It just overflows from my life. It's not a law. It's not something I got to do. I want to share. I want you to know what I know. I want you to understand who he is. I want to spend some time in prayer. I need to be in the word. I need to feed my spirit. I need to be built up. I'm glad to have these minutes free right here to be in my word. It changes everything. Now it's not I got to do. It's I get to do. And if you do anything for God and you're over here feeling like you got to do it, stop doing it. Just stop it. He doesn't want you to do it that way anyway. If you over here feel I got to do it, stop. Spend time with him until you graduate over here and realize I get to do it. I encourage parents, be careful, you know, about we want to encourage our kids and teach them and train them and everything else. But I believe when it comes to things in terms of serving God, I hate to see parents make a kid serve because you know you can make a kid clean the room that's the house that's you're gonna do your part over here but don't make a kid serve God begrudgingly let them grow to a place where they want to do something for the Lord because if you start them off over here it's like you're pouring in a little bit of legalism and sometimes us parents do that because we feel good to see them serving but you want to see them serving the right way um, and so if they're not ready yet if their hearts are not in the right place yet, then don't worry about what they're doing. Worry about getting them, growing them to a place where their hearts are ready to do it. I hate to see kids that have been made and it's, I got to, you know, my mom said, I got to do this. So maybe at the church serving, doing things that they got to do. We all want to get over here where it's a joy. I'm blessed with the opportunity to be able to do this for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Look at verse seven. It says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. 
And so he says here, what is the law? Is the law wrong? Is the law sin? He says, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand it. The law helps me understand where I stand with certain things. And he points out one of the laws, covetousness. And this is one of the laws that is referred to as an under the skin kind of law. A lot of the laws are external. You know, don't murder. Uh, don't steal. Don't do this. But covetousness, you know, I can look at someone and say, they stole. They murdered. You know, they lied. But I can't look at you and say, you coveted. It's happening underneath. And this is what Jesus does in the Gospels in the New Testament. He takes the law. Now, some people think, well, if I'm free from the law and I got this new relationship with the Lord, now I can just go buck wild. Understand this, that as we walk with God, the law is not, you know, legal or spiritual. It's actually on a deeper level. And the old covenant, under the Old Testament law, God just said, don't murder. Uh, which most of us can say, I've never murdered anybody. That's what most people like to start at. I'm a good person. I haven't murdered nobody, you know. But we get to the New Testament. Jesus says, look, if you hated somebody, you murdered them in your heart. Oh, man. Now, who's guilty now? Don't raise your hands. Right? <laughs> you come over here and someone says, I never committed adultery. All right. You're a good guy. I've never cheated on my wife. Never cheated on my husband. I've been faithful to my spouse all the time. I'm single. I've been pure. I've never messed up. Not one time. God says over here, have you, have you lusted? You're guilty. Because it all begins, and where does murder begin? It begins in the heart of hatred, in the heart. That manifests itself in murder. Um, what is adultery and form? What does that begin? It begins in the heart of lust. Um, and where does theft begin? When do you steal? Well, first you start coveting something that ain't yours. That'll grow up into theft. So God says, really when you get to the new covenant and the spiritual law, God says, actually deeper. It's actually more. Now I'm requiring more. It's not enough that you're not committing adultery. You watch your heart. You be careful what's going on through your eyes and through your heart. It's not enough now that you don't steal. Don't even covet. Don't even want something that belongs to you to someone else's. It takes it all a level deeper underneath. And so it's not like, you know, now we have no law. We just wild, reckless, and go crazy. God said, no, nah, now what we're doing is spiritual. It's, um, rather than these external do's and don'ts, God said, I'm really dealing with from the inside out. I'm working on your hearts. I want to transform you from the inside out. So it's not enough now that I don't hate you and murder you. God said, New Testament, I want you to love them. Love your enemies. Do good to those who curse you. Bless those who spitefully use you. Them hard words for some of us. Bless those who curse me. God, it's not enough that you just be quiet. You know, for some of us, I just didn't say nothing back. And you want to pat on the back. God said, okay, we on the way. But that's step one. Now do good to them. Oh. Uh. That's like manure in your face. You know, do good to them. Do good to those that spitefully. Yes, yes, yes. Someone smack you on the one cheek and I don't hit them back. I'm already celebrating that one. You know, if you slap me in the face and I don't sock you in yours, I'm already saying, God, I'm a new man. The Lord have done a work in me, a mighty, mighty work. But God says, no, turn the other one. Not just don't hit them back, turn the other one. <laughs> I mean, this is deeper. The spiritual law is deeper. It comes down to the heart. Because wouldn't me wants to smack you back? Pride, my pride, that's what it is. Smack in the face, not going to kill me. But my pride, you're not going to smack me in my face. You know, pride well enough. Guys, you're going to die to that. I want to get way down deep and work on you. And for some of us, if we're in that process where God is getting down in there. Sometimes what he's got to do to get down in there, and I want you to listen, because I believe this is true for some people here today, is God uses some people in your life to reveal to you what's in you. God will use some difficult people to draw out some really ugly stuff out of you so you can see what's in you. You're focusing on these really ugly people that are drawing it out. God wants you to start looking at what's coming out. 
Because only what's in can come out. That's it. Only what's in you can come out of you. And you can get your eyes off of them who drew it out and sit over here for a minute and say, okay, but it's in me. This is in me, right? You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington and A Transforming Word. We know you didn't have to come today. You could have turned off this message and moved on to the news or to a talk show, but you chose to stay. You chose to invest your time in learning more about the Word of God with us. In this series, Pastor Bill is making his way through the book of Romans. In Romans 8, 6, we read, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You didn't have to stay today, but it might be the best decision you could have made. On the news, you could have encountered plenty of death, but here we're able to set our minds on the spirit together, discovering the life and peace that he brings. And we have more opportunities for you to set your mind on the spirit. While wait for the next edition of A Transforming Word, on our website, you'll find a daily Bible reading plan, links to our YouTube channel and our mobile app. You'll have hundreds of messages available to you at the touch of a finger. You'll also find ways to join in the work with us through giving and prayer. Our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. But there are other ways to find us too. We're on Instagram and Facebook. What better way to move your mind to the Spirit than to bring Him into your social media? As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. Oh yeah, and don't forget to come back here next time for a transforming word to transform your life.